Talking about Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger and how his career essentially embodies the American dream and how so many people, even though he was not born in the United States, have effectively adopted him because here's a guy who was born into a farming community, as I was just saying when we started this, grew up, slept on a single mattress cot, dreamt of getting the, getting out. And the only thing that he really had to get out was his own brain and his own body. So he goes to work, becomes Mr. Olympia. Yeah, becomes like scientifically the most muscular man on earth. Yeah, he literally figures out with his diet and his literal like <laughs> nonstop weightlifting training yeah. and becomes... The pump! <laughs> well, he becomes the record setting uh, Mr. Olympia for like four years or whatever the fuck it is. And while he's doing that, what's he doing? He's, he's in the calming. United States. When I'm lifting weights and when I'm at home, I'm always Every calming. day, yeah. It's like I'm coming every day, you know? Yeah, that's a great bit, man. But, it's so and, goddamn funny. Well, and this is the thing is that it shows you even then his enthusiasm, his charm. He was always like driven, but he wasn't necessarily at least publicly uh presenting anything other than positivity and yes we're going to do this it's going to be great even if something was failing he was like yeah well it was still a good experience for this reason or that reason right so builds his way up or does he's in new york does exactly what he wants to do getting into making movies transitioning into this whole thing now the other thing about Schwarzenegger was that he had this whole fucking career path that he wanted to do, right? He wanted to be involved in politics. It wasn't just movies. It was literally, how far can I go? And so what he did was built this whole fucking career. Let's not forget, he married a fucking Kennedy. He married into the Kennedy sure family. Did. A, a conservative Republican schmoozed his way, seduced... One of the diamonds of the Kennedy family. Yep. Right? And, uh, you know, they had a, a loving marriage until he decided to do what he did. <laughs> until he cheated on a Kennedy. <laughs> until he cheated on a Kennedy. And he's lucky he's still alive. But, you know, he was also um, having his track record. Dude became the governor of California. Took advantage. Now, I actually, I was in California when David Gray was having his whole recall and all of that shit. This dude, literally, literally, they had him flat with, like, taking $2 million to his election campaign fund and then just taking away this rule that uh, prevented this company from straight dudging, dumping full sludge into the L.A. riverbed, right? And people were like, what the fuck, man? So they did the whole recall, and Schwarzenegger saw his opportunity and was like, I'm going to be governor they made up the whole fucking governator t-shirts and all of that shit. And he won by fucking landslide, dude. It was crazy. I voted for Larry Flint. I want that on record. Okay? <laughs> I did not vote for Schwarzenegger. I oh, voted for Larry Flint. Of course you did. <laughs> hey, Larry Flint had a plan, which was, which was really interesting. And that was, you taxed Just the casinos. Just do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Well, he literally I was like... Larry Flint. Yeah, fucking A right. But his tactic for balancing the budget was you raise the taxes on the casinos. 
you impose a tax on the casinos and then you would be pulling in literal billions and that would help cover so much debt and then you could invest in all of that and any overages. I was like, holy shit, you know what? Come to think of it, that's a pretty good idea. And so, um, so he got my vote, right? But, you know, there was that porn star who ran. Mary Carey. Yeah, God bless her soul. But, um, yeah, so she ran. And uh, it was it was so much fun. Yeah, so it was <laughs> a clown during show. That. The rest of the country is like, what the fuck is happening yeah. in California? So what did California do? They fucking elected their highest celebrity movie star, or you know, one of the highest at the time. Still the guy had a who name. said, "I'll do it." <laughs> oh, he wanted it, dude. Of course, fuck yeah, he wanted it, and we could all see. Oh, dude, just imagine if we put. By that time, we already had Clint Eastwood as um, mayor of Carmel. Oh, Jesus. You know, so yeah, so it's it was like, well, there's already a precedent. No more brown people. Well, Ronald <laughs> Reagan went to fucking be the president. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So he sure did, and what a wonderful time we all had. Hey, it was the '80s. What are you gonna do? But it, you know, so literally the opposite of whatever Reagan did. <laughs> That's what you should do. Well, that would have been the preference. No shit, because yeah. Well, so. Uh, hi, what's your name? But, but, but <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, no, I got fucking nothing, man. Let's just do it. Hey, I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Brad. Hello. This is, uh, another fantastic edition of HPV. Uh, we watch bullshit. We do watch bullshit. Yeah. Um, Brad. And, yeah. You beautiful bastard. <laughs> you done it to me. Best $8 I spent. It's, it's a fantastic <laughs> film. 1989's Dolph Lundgren's. The, the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah, fucking A. <laughs> that I movie was, rules. I was very, very Not, worried. I, if I, was this if your I, first time seeing it? Uh, I believe so, yes. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen some of it before, but I've awesome. never watched it in full. Okay. So, I, I was... Uh, I had a lot of trepidations coming into this, because <laughs> the last time we recorded, you told me this is what you wanted to do. Yep. And I said, all right, and I, well, I didn't look at anything about it, so... To everything, your credit, not only did you not look at anything, but you also, when I suggested it, you didn't just go, oh, all right. You looked at me and you were like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, man, you know, both feet, we're in. Fuck yeah. But this movie has a bad <laughs> reputation yeah. for not being very good. Mm. It, it, it has been forgotten to time, you could say. And this was after Dolph Lundgren was Ivan Drago. Yeah, yes, yes. Mm -hmm, so he, he was a name by this point. Mm -hmm. Well, now, the thing about this movie, and though... I don't understand why this movie gets any flack whatsoever. This is one of the best pure action films that I have seen in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I like the action in this movie a lot. I even like what they did with Dolphin Lundgren's look. Like, um, I was, uh, pointing out to you while we were watching it, how they kept the shadow around his cheekbones and, uh, his eye sockets so that they always had this implied look of, uh, like a skull yeah. on his face, you it, know? He looks gravely ill throughout yeah. this entire film. Yeah. And they don't have a moment, well, they have him say jokes and things like that, which are really... Uh, indicative of his character, the way he makes jokes, but that's the, I think what I'm trying to get to is they don't depict him as like um, looking for punchlines, you know? He he's doesn't shoot a, a bad guy and say a punchline, you know? He's not a fun guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They really, uh, 
unlike the sort of imposed darkness of the Dark Knight stuff, mm-hmm. uh, this really sort of feels like... Um, now, okay, I'll grant you this has many elements that are comic book elements or moments that you have to go, oh, okay, there's even... I agree with you, a fight scene that goes way over long unnecessarily. Yeah, we'll, yeah and we'll get to that. Yeah, but overall... The reason that this one didn't do so well is because, first of all, Marvel was a little nervous about how audiences would perceive it. So they changed aspects of his story to kind of streamline things down and create this other narrative with Louis Gossett Jr. And then also um, they changed his costume and his uh, design. So it wasn't like there was a lot of heavy marketing saying, hey, look at this new punisher they were like well we want to do a punisher but um we don't know if we're gonna if the audience will dig a guy i remember reading this they didn't know if the audience would buy a guy with a white skull on his chest and white boots like his costume was in the in the comic books so they really tried to go in the opposite direction and have this sort of natural presentation of this guy who literally is driven to be a, a psychopathic serial killer oh yeah yeah 150 casualties yeah he has killed <laughs> 150 people at this at point at the beginning of the film yeah 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 and that's a, okay and that's the other thing i wanted to point out about this movie which i thought was really interesting and i i didn't notice of course the first time around but his origin story is literally encompassed in like the first five, ten minutes of the movie. It's with newscasters talking about, oh, well, you know, here's these mafia hits that have been going on for the past five years or so, and they suspect it's this guy, but he should be dead. So you get this quick encapsulation of everything. There's no... It's a real RoboCop move. Yeah, yeah. He has these little flashback things, but other than the flashbacks, it's like you don't dwell at all on um, these lingering sequences of, um, of like, family stuff. or You get the hints. You get the visuals through, uh, like, his the... dreams or flashbacks, but you get only what you need to understand that this is the position that he's in now or why he's there, you know? And I think that they did a really, really smart thing. Obviously, we were talking about it, and I'm sure it's something that the movie... Uh, does actually kind of get praise for. They don't make Dolph Lundgren talk a lot. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is very beneficial for two reasons. One, because it's Dolph Lundgren in 1989. Mm-hmm. He's not that polished yet. Yeah. He's he's still getting the hang of acting. He's just a gigantic dude. See, now I'm trying to remember if I actually saw this in the theater or if I saw it on VHS later or if it was... Because I know I saw it on VHS later, but I keep sort of having these flashbacks to the Quad Theater that was on 29th Street. I don't know if you remember that theater, yep. but they would do like the movies that weren't necessarily the A-list movies, but they'd have them there and they'd do second run movies and things like oh, yeah. that. So, God, I, I loved the Quad, man. It was yep. such a great theater. It's where I saw In the Line of Fire. Oh, no shit. Yes. Okay. All right. That's a good one, too. Yeah. But but the other beneficial thing to having Dolph Lundgren not talk so much mm-hmm. is because it makes Frank Castle kind of a scary character. Oh, absolutely. Because he has very little to say. He, like you said, he's not like quippy. Mm-hmm. He's not fun. 
Mm-hmm. He's not a cool guy to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it becomes very apparent when, you know, he's just murdering people constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, no, at least they kind of had the sense that, like, we shouldn't really be on this guy's side. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's a goddamn psycho. Well, there's really interesting scenes where, um, okay, so basically the layout of the movie, just in broad brush strokes real quick, and then we'll take certain scenes, because the relationship with Louis Gossett Jr. and um, uh, Dolph Lundgren, the way that it's in the movies, I mean, that's all just part of the movies themselves, but they use it really well to sort of have these two counterbalance each other in how they experience and deal with traumas, right? So that's really pretty interesting. But the overall movie is we're introduced to a city that already the Punisher has been around for five years, roughly, and he's just conducting his own war. 150 mobsters Well, at that point, it's 125. Oh, okay. 125, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to inflate the numbers, my bad. Well, by the end of the movie, we're definitely at least, you know, 150, 160. Yeah, probably closer to two because he's blowing up buildings and all of this shit. But, but yeah, so so basically he's fighting his war against um, the local mafia, taking out these guys to the point where one of the mafia heads who was hiding out in Europe comes back and he's going to be the new guy. He arranges this whole deal. Everything looks good and so then it, it, the reason that he comes back from Europe is because the current head of the family mm-hmm. uh just got off on murder charges. Yeah. Because I forget exactly why. They fucked something up and it, he was uh yeah. found not guilty of these murders yeah. and walks out and gets real fucking cocky yeah he's like oh, if the punisher comes at me i'll show him what punishment yeah. is or if something if he comes like within that. a thousand feet of me i'll show him what punishment really is after you were just acquitted for murder yeah yeah no doubt but and i love that scene though because it's such a such a hollywood scene where the guy just takes it right to the movie like right to the camera like a pro wrestler uh-huh. punisher i'm calling you out man yeah, you know it was a real rick flair yeah totally it was i mean such a great and the guy just you know right down to the children acting in this movie uh I bought everybody. I think there was maybe only two performances or maybe two two or three lines throughout the whole movie where I was like, ooh, ow, you know, that's... Uh... So, but the reason that I kind of really wanted to start at the beginning is that you know, we start with this crime boss getting off and then they show him back at home in his mansion. Yeah. And this is like three, four minutes in and we get our first major action scene. Yeah. This is a hell of an icebreaker. Oh, like, it's a great set piece. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frank Castle walks in and just fucking murders the ever loving Christ out of like six dudes, hangs one mm-hmm. in the off of a staircase in the mm-hmm. middle of this mansion to where the crime boss finds his subordinate Hanging by his neck. Yeah. Well, now, okay. And here's the interesting thing is that we immediately are introduced to tactics and how the Punisher works the way he does, why he does what he does. We even see repeated types of attacks throughout the movie for um, for his battle tactics, right? Now, okay. Another reason this movie was not very popular was not only was Marvel afraid of it, didn't put him in the costume, they sort of um, normalized the, the uh, streetwear 
and everything. Kept him on a motorcycle rather than in his van where he had his equipment and all of that. That kind of stuff. Um, they changed the origin story. And this was something that, once again, they did for the narrative. And in this case, I actually, I don't mind it at all. There are other things, like, I won't go into in terms of other characters and things who've had their narrative, their source material butchered. But in this case, one of the key aspects of Frank Castle was that his family getting killed, he literally was just back from uh, service in Iraq. And he was like this fucking hardcore. They backed it up to Vietnam. But um, anyway, the main point, whichever it was originally, Vietnam, that's, that's what it is now. Anyway, here's the point. He was a badass Marine who had literal guerrilla tactics and all of this stuff ingrained into him. He comes back. He's literally ready to embrace his civilian wife with civilian life with his wife and his two kids who basically have been waiting for him to finish his tours and come home and all of that. They go to a park and just incidentally, accidentally, find themselves in the middle of a gang war and both sides basically are shooting at each other and end up mowing down his whole family. He survives. That's why. He goes on this whole revenge thing, and he targets mafias mm -hmm. all the time. Because he's like, no, 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 you're all going to fucking die. So, okay, all of that being said, this thing about him being a cop and a partner with Louis Gossett Jr. and all of that, no, 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 no. He was fresh back from his tours and ready to just hang it all up. And then the mafia destroyed his family, and he just went fucking psycho, right? Psycho Marine, guerrilla tactics in New York, good luck finding them, you know? See, it's one of the things, when you bring up tactics, it's one of the things that I actually really kind of like about this movie. Mm. Because he will use tactics to a point, mm -hmm. but it's not all like, oh, well, he set this trap, and then he moves here, and he set that trap. He usually gets, like, one or two sneak attacks off, and then just fucking blazes in like <laughs> a goddamn brawling. bull in a china shop and it's yeah. the best because he gets one or two all yeah. sneaky like and then all of a sudden he's got guns in both hands and he's beating dudes to death exactly exactly and that's one of the reasons why i really liked this movie after i first saw it because i really thought they captured that that sort of futility of the war but castle he's already dead inside as far as he's concerned, he's going to fight the war until somebody kills him. That's it, you know, and that's what he had committed to. And they really get that in this movie. So when we first see him, he comes in like you would expect him to come in using these sort of tactics of getting onto the roof, coming down through, taking out the first couple of people, and then really sort of making it known, no, I'm here and you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Repeatedly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like... Like the repeated moves, for example, is he gets himself in an elevated position, pulls out one of these knives that he has. Honestly, he's not such a huge knife guy in the comic books. But again, who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Because you know they what, have little you know skulls what knives and look are? Cool. You know what knives are? Marketable. Cheaper than guns. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, good point. Yeah, but they're also... Anyway, so he's from an elevated position swinging this knife down into a guy's chest and just basically immediately stabbing him in the heart, killing him, yeah. right? We see him do that like three or four times, which once again, 
I appreciate when the choreography remains consistent like that, you know. The one thing that was very common with 80s movies, there was not really a lot of reloading. And I will say, uh, Ray Stevenson's Punisher Warzone, to me, I oh, fucking great, love great that film. One of the reasons I love it is they actually show him at one point when he's in the in that apartment building, he like takes a knee, reloads every single weapon he has on his body, then he gets up and he goes back to killing. And you're like, okay, thank you. For this moment. So there's not a limitless bullet count. And we do see that he is conscientious of what he's doing. He doesn't just reload the gun that's in his hand. No, he makes sure everything is set the way it should be. And then he gets back to it, you know. So anyway, um, Dolph Lundgren, you see similar things like this in terms of how he's handling the weapons and such. But most of the pyro, all of this stuff is just straight up 80s uh pyro gun porn and i fucking love it you know oh, man because uh they do it's one of the most 80s shots that i have ever seen it's the kind of tracking shot when they're following the blonde woman through that casino mm, mm-hmm. when, yeah. uh, is she is she an actual character because she looks different like two or three different times there's a well few, or is there a few blonde women it doesn't matter either way yeah she's walking through and it's doing the thing where everybody when they walk by the camera looks down the barrel of the camera yeah like tr- ooh, what an, a remarkably beautiful woman yeah, walking through yeah, yeah. And like i said like it's pretty easy filmmaking but yeah, yeah. That, that's what you do mm-hmm. and then he shows a couple of shots around and then just a quick shot of the stained glass on the <laughs> ceiling real quick establishing shot and you go oh Mm-hmm. Well, good. I know what's going to happen. Well, at least they made this movie correctly. <laughs> exactly. And the stained glass, I mean, dude, the stained glass, okay, the whole environment that, okay, we've kind of skipped ahead a little bit. It's fine. In this moment, uh, uh, Punisher is about to hit a mafia uh, den that's kind of run by the Yakuza, but the Italians are there too. Everybody's sort of intermingling. This uh, stained glass that's at the top, did you notice the design at all? Like, I want to pause on the on that image because it's like a cross with a black sort of uh, devil sort of figure and then another white figure on it. And it's like, wait a minute, what the, what is that? Right? <laughs> and then before you can even, like, look at it too long, boom, he comes crashing through it and shoots up another place, you know? Oh, man, does he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, this is one of the parts where, and it, it happens a few times in this movie, where you just have to kind of throw up your hands at it and go like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. He's shooting the casino. Mm-hmm. Still, he's still shooting. Brad, that sequence. still, <laughs> he's still shooting this goddamn casino up. Yeah, and nobody's like coming in from another wing to maybe sneak up behind him or shoot him. He hasn't blown a hole in the walls or anything. Well, that's true because, yeah, that's an excellent point. He's sitting there doing the whole Rambo M60 uh, single arm hold while he's belt feeding this uh, fully automatic assault rifle designed to, as you say, shred walls and things like that. And he's unloading into these um, uh, casino slot machines. Slot machines, thank you. And the bar. And the bar and all of the glasses and everything. Like, he shot up the same... A display of bottles probably three times from uh, as many angles. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. There are these moments where it it sort of has this extended combat. So basically, he hits the first 
uh, Italian mafia guy, and let's face it, I kicks mean, a dude right in the fucking face because he falls down on top of like the craps table, and the first thing he does is just boots a dude directly <laughs> in the noggin. Uh huh. It's incredible. Yeah, he kicks a guy. Anybody who thinks that they uh, might have had a chance against him, because one of the yakuza guys comes up behind him with a bat. Yeah. As you said, and just boots that guy in the face. How did he know that guy, you know, was coming at him? Yeah, with his fucking spurs, too. Oh, There's dude. a couple good spur kills in this. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. 1989 is, that... is the year of the knife boot. <laughs> well, okay, so the Itali- the mafia, the guy from Europe comes back and says, we're going to, um, we're going to unite. Yeah, we and then we're going to restructure. Gonna... Yeah. This we... isn't working. Yep. This is the way Dad did it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it this way. Yeah. And he says, we're going to consolidate, and then we're going to obliterate. But that whole thing is this massive, like, $600 million drug deal, whatever. But the problem is, they didn't know that the Yakuza, the Japanese Yakuza, somehow got wind of this whole deal, and they come in to basically uh, have a demonstration of strength. Oh, and they slaughter these fucking dudes. They slaughter them. Now, the Punisher shows up there saying, uh, you know, because he's planning to just bust up the whole mafia deal. And once he sees the Yakuza, he's like, oh, well, this is... Night a com- off. Yeah, uh, this is a completely different ball game. Of course, he has to just because it's the yeah, movie. Yeah, he has to get in there. Yeah, he has to kill a few of these he, he guys. He doesn't just, like, go home and eat some pizza rolls or something. <laughs> <laughs> Looks, he lives in the sewer. How could he? Yeah, exactly. He well, drive his motorcycle through that deafening tunnel. Can we just talk, though, about how... Okay, now one of the other variations is that um, is that um, he had his sidekick who would help him with the gear and all of oh, that. Man. Remember that microchip or whatever that guy's name was? And uh, he basically... His, uh, his story was that um, his daughter was killed or something like that, and he basically was like, okay, Punisher... I know who you are, and just so you understand how good I am, I know exactly who you are. Here's all your information, but this is this is who I am, and I want to help you, right? So um, that whole storyline, gone. None of that is in there. But instead, they have <laughs> Dolph Lundgren naked, meditating, in filth, in a sewer, just focused on how he wants to kill mafia people. And collaborating with his drunk-ass actor friend who speaks in rhymes the entire time. (laughs) Well, it's an example of his eloquence in prose. It rules. (laughs) It's so awesome, dude. He's literally saying uh, things to Punisher about, hey, you know, maybe you should uh, calm down a little bit. Don't do this. You know, it's probably a bad idea. But he's speaking fully in, like, Rhyming couplets as he's going along. And, you know. It's insane. It's fucking great. It's great, dude. It's so One of the greatest decisions in film history. I will grant you that, yes. Yeah, because this guy, clearly he's alcoholic. He's probably homeless. He's probably all strung out on everything. When we are introduced to him, he Mm -hmm. is getting kicked out of a bar on sight. Yeah. (laughs) He has not done anything yet because he has done things in the past. Well, he gets kicked out on sight after being shown 
uh, schmoozing a guy to say, wow, you look like you've had a luckier life than I have. Uh, how about you give me a dollar or five dollars or maybe ten dollars so I can get on my way, right? And right as the guy is handing him some cash out of pity or whatever, that's when the bartender jumps in and has him tossed bodily out in the street. But that's how he gets that bill in his hand so he can go. But then, dude, how many times in a movie have you seen something like, here's this remote control truck with a big bottle of whiskey on it that just magically appears from around an alleyway Right in front of an alcoholic. I mean, in, you in gotta think the guy's a bum like he's seen a fucking mirage. Yeah. Just follows this thing on his hands and knees. He's gotta think he's probably hallucinating, but it's so enticing, right? So he's crawling along, goes into the alley, and who does he run into? Punisher. I mean, dude, the Who's way this fucking pissed at him. Yeah. I was Livid. waiting for you for four hours, right? <laughs> he is so goddamn mad. Yeah, but we see here that this is how this guy who lives in a sewer with nothing but, you know, psychotic murder on his mind. Uh, that's his best friend. <laughs> that's how he gets his information, at least, you know. Where does that guy get information? Because <laughs> he's a drunk hobo who lives on the street and he hears things. He's plugged in, man. He's got contacts. All he needs is booze. That's all. He doesn't even need a roof over his head. He's just got the info. Just keep that gravy train <laughs> chugging along. <laughs> well, once he gets the information that he wants, he leaves him with that whole fifth of whiskey, you know, and uh, and the guy certainly is like, well, okay, we got a deal. He doesn't seem upset about it. No. You know? So. Um, and he's the only person who knows how to navigate the sewers to find the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah, right. That guy has gotten drunk and lost in those sewers like <laughs> six times. Well, you know, to be fair, they do show the first time, the first time we see him going down into the sewers to find Punisher, he's like saying, hello, hello, and then he's in darkness and then suddenly a light comes on, or he, he lights, lights a, a match. match. And there's Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, just... <laughs> Right looking, over him. Looking junked out of his gourd <laughs> with a leather jacket and no shirt on. Yeah, exactly. What do you want? Right? But anyway, I think, though, even in those moments, as, um, as uh, exaggerated as they are for the movie, they still, overall, within the context of the movie, keep reinforcing the idea that this guy, you know, he's not normal. Yeah. He he may be the hero of this movie, but this is not a guy who's going to be cracking jokes and smiles and, you know, yeah. all of this stuff. And it, it's something that we talk about a lot, honestly, that if you can't grant 1989's The Punisher a little mm -hmm. bit of that leeway, it, mm -hmm. it being based on a Marvel comic, no less. Yeah. Understand what movie you're watching. Yeah. None of this is supposed to be factually accurate. Just yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. See, and this is one of the things that I love did it about... Get, did it get close enough in a lot of spots? Yeah. It let us know what was going on. Did you feel like... This was always the barometer. Did you feel like you, you got the price of the ticket? Was it worth the price of the ticket? After walking out of that movie, I was like, fuck yeah. Okay, I saw what I wanted to see. I was entertained. I had some surprises. Yeah, I had some issues with whatever, but it was nothing that threw me, you know? Yeah. I still enjoyed <laughs> I still enjoyed Dolph's performance, 
you know? Yeah, because he's fucking scary. <laughs> this is a really hard between Punisher Warzone and this one. Like, this is a real close second. Yes. But the only thing is, I think uh, Warzone, they, they took a lot more time with the character and they weren't afraid like they were the first time. You know, there was like this trepidation about how this guy was going to be received. But to their credit, they were like, we got this guy who all we got to do is dye his hair. And he's 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 working his way up, so he's still cheap. We can still get him cheap for now, uh-huh. <laughs> right? And the one thing that I will say that does put Punisher Warzone a little bit above this is, mm-hmm. yeah, because Warzone, and it does have to do with, obviously, it being made much later than the original. Yeah, yeah. But it gets fucking buck wild with yeah. the violence and it's <laughs> so goddamn entertaining i fucking love that movie dude yeah it's a real treat right yeah but what i will say for this is this movie is still incredibly violent oh yeah there are lots of times where we it's two grown men who watch a lot of action films like jesus fucking christ <laughs> well there are things that you forget about like See, a and, woman reading a book to her children and somebody comes in and shoots her in the fucking face and it's very much yeah. intimated that those kids are dead as well like well, jesus christ she gets, man she gets sniper shot through the window right and then the mafia guys come in for the kids so the kids are literally, oh, here's a nice bedtime story. Oh, everything's great. Bah, bah, bah. What the fuck? And then in come these two guys with guns. And, the, and then it goes black. So you're like, what the fuck? But you realize it's this whole kidnapping thing. So yeah, so the Yakuza interfere with the whole gangland um, drug deal, the, the uh, combining of resources. $500 million heroin deal. Yeah, exactly. And the Yakuza basically go to the mafia and say, we're taking over, we want 75%, and this is not an offer. We're just fucking yeah, telling you this, this is what's this happening. This is non-negotiable. You can agree to our terms and we can do business together, mm-hmm. or you cannot and we will do business without you. <laughs> yeah, and the mafia, to their credit, go, fuck you, we're going to war. And so one of the first things the Yakuza does is kidnap all their children. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Now, okay, Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. side of the story, um, he basically, after the first mafia hit where they literally blow up a whole house in front of a nightly news crew that's like, keep the cameras rolling, forget about the fireballs and the debris shooting at us and all of the the mayhem and death, keep the cameras rolling, right? Yeah, because they saw the Punisher in the doorway. They actually got an image of Punisher in the doorway, and I mean, dude... How fucking badass did he look coming out of the flame like that? Pretty fucking badass, dude. dude. And then he just fades back into the smoke. Man, that's 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 how you introduce your badass hero. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So, um, so anyway, Louis Gossett Jr. He basically says it's the Punisher. I know it is. It's his mo. All of the higher ups. One of his friends, captains, comes to him and says, "Look." This is the order from the governor. Punisher is dead. Stop talking about him. If you keep talking about him, then, you know, you'll be walking the beat, making parking tickets or whatever the fuck. Yeah, generic 80s cop threat. Kind of threat. Yeah, exactly. So as he's leaving that crime scene, though, this other um, younger, um, more eager assistant, uh, not assistant, uh, police detective comes up to him and says, hey, 
uh, I want to be your partner. He's like, I, I don't have partners. Remember me from a few years ago in that prostitution sting? I was a hooker. Yeah, yeah. That's how they introduce this cop is, hey, I played a hooker for you on a, on a sting, you know? And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you. Yeah, yeah, sure, kid. <laughs> okay, so um, that's the awkward introduction. And um, then she goes on to list her credits. But here's the thing. The way they introduce her and what she's doing, you buy it. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, you were so wonderful. I remember you from college, and you were the smartest student at the time, and he all is, of that. He is not interested. Until, he doesn't give a fuck until she says, "I also think the Frank Castle is the Punisher." Exactly, and he goes, "Okay, I'll see you in the office, nine o'clock yep. sharp." Yep. Now he's got backup. Now we're and, cooking. And the cool thing is, is that you actually see these two in sort of a procedural detective sort of way trying to catch up to what's going on with all of these murders and all of this stuff. Because as the Yakuza kidnapped the mafia's kids, all of this is getting blamed on Punisher. And uh, Louis Gossett Jr. and his partner are basically the only two people who are like, no, it's not the Punisher. There's something else going on here, right? Because yeah. the Yakuza are out in the open. He only kills mobsters. Why would he abduct these children? Why would he go after children? Yeah. And Louis Gossett Jr., God bless him, because of the backstory that they have with him uh, knowing Frank Castle and they were cops together and he actually helped Frank Castle become a better cop and all of that. So they knew each other really, really well. Uh, his partner is like, how do you know it's not the Punisher? And he says, because of this. And he holds up a picture of Frank Castle's kids, right? And she's like, what the fuck? And they do this. I mean, it's a little bit awkward, but then they do this cut to Frank Castle holding a, another picture just like that, looking at his kids, and you realize, oh, Covered yeah. in grime, looking sick as shit because he's been shot multiple times. Like, yeah. He looks like he's dying. Yeah. It's really good makeup work. Well, you know, and that's the other reason I like the movie because you see him get hit. You see him get cut. You see him, you know, he gets shot. These things do happen. And they even do, God bless them, they do the heated sword, uh, heated dagger cauterizing the wound. wound. And it just echoes through the sewers. It's so fucking awesome. Yeah, and that weird evil dead shot. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like the fucking deadites are coming for him, which I'd watch Punisher versus deadites. Oh, dude, that'd be so sweet. Could you imagine? He would just be laying down fire over just dozens and dozens of these things. Against a thing that cannot be killed. <laughs> it wouldn't stop him. Oh, be the best. <laughs> so, okay, so Punisher... Uh, the actor informant who speaks in the rhyming couplets tells him, hey, look, the mafia and the Yakuza are going to war. And Frank's like, yeah, that's fine. Cool. I'm uh, fine. I, I don't fucking care. And, and he is literally, he's about to leave town. He's like, I think I'll take a vacation. Punisher says, I think I'll take a vacation, right? Let uh -huh. them kill each other. So the actor tells him, no, wait, there are these kids. These kids got yanked, they're kidnapped, they're in the middle of all of it. You can't just leave, yeah. you know, at least <laughs> think of the children, right? But Punisher, because of this established thing with, you know, losing his own kids and that's a big motivation, he's like, okay, all right, you got me. So um, he figures out, roughly, he starts uh, telling the Yakuza, you give up the kids <laughs> and I'll let you live. Yep. And that's that whole second hit with the casino, 
right? Yep. Where he he literally fires into. They repeat the footage of him shooting into these slot machines so and bars like five fucking times for each image. So it literally extends to like a good 45 seconds, a minute of unnecessary carnage, and it's fucking beautiful. I don't care what you say. I love it's, it. <laughs> it's fine. It's exhausting. It is it's... that. Yeah. Yeah. But it does make the point. Although that M60 where he's, you know, uh, single arm firing and, and letting the belt feed off the other arm, that sort of thing. For as many shots fired as you see there, that belt's definitely done in the first, you know, few, <laughs> few seconds of the whole thing. But... That's but also 80s mayhem. <laughs> exactly. And credit to practical stunts, practical stuntmen. We even saw a kid get tossed yeah, the, you through a chair into a fucking what? Like, like a, a furnace. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Like this big sort of uh furnace. Or like a filing cabinet or something. Like, yeah, but that kid went the... head into it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Yakuza guy knocks him the fuck out. Yeah, and this kid is maybe, what, 12, 13? Yeah. At the most, you yeah, know? because he gets into a scuffle with a spiky-haired ginger kid. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. The most 1989 child that's ever existed. Well, I also enjoyed the um, plaid shirt wearing with the thick glasses and kind of the bowl haircut. I mean, you want to talk about your your most common Midwest kid look you could possibly get. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so uh, here's I, I kind of lose the story, but I do enjoy when uh, the Yakuza lure the Italian gangsters into the restaurant. Yeah. They're all popping champagne because they have a meeting where they're going to get their kids back. Yeah, they and the, paid. They and the, mafia, paid. the mafia head has decided to sit it out. Oh, okay. He will One interesting wrinkle to all of this and the thing that the actor tells the Punisher that convinces him to come back and save the kids is the actor says it's a double cross because the Yakuza are selling these kids into slavery. Yes. So no matter what, these kids are fucked. You forget about, you know, grudge against both sides. Those kids are fucked if you don't help them, right? So, interesting wrinkle. They make it a point to say several times how lucrative child slavery is. (laughs) Fucking 90s, dude. This is what I was kind of touching on on the in-between, is that, you know, in terms of trying to fit your politics of the day into your movies, you didn't have people preach about it. You had someone like the Punisher, who didn't care if he lived or died, say... They're selling kids into white slavery. Where are they? He gears up and he goes in and blows all of those motherfuckers away. That's what you want to see, dude. You know what I mean? Yes. Fuck yeah. That's how you make a political statement in your fucking entertainment, you know? So anyway, that that's all I wanted to say really about that. But that his motivation is all set up. The Yakuza, we see them doing some pretty evil shit. And this hit on the Italian uh, mafia... Like you say, they go into this restaurant, they're drinking champagne. Because they're awaiting the Yakuza to show up because they are making this deal. And, you know, salute to getting our children back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the one guy won't drink. Yep. So there's one guy who doesn't drink. Because he's on medication. Well, uh, I mean, again, you got to give it to the script. Because there are all of these little moments for all of the absurd action sequences there are these little nuances to the script that make you go, oh, okay. And this guy, while he dismisses it saying, I'm on medication, 
we every scene we've seen that guy in he's like fuck these yakuza i want to kill all of them i hate them i disagree i don't want to do this and the only reason he does it is because his kid his kid is involved yep so that's the only reason he's there so he's not going to drink that champagne it's not because of medication it's because he's not drinking that fucking champagne you see what i mean so, and, and this is the fucking rad ass part where he tries to run away, and the yeah. blonde lady behind the Yakuza woman takes her fucking earrings, earrings. out <laughs> and whips them into both of his hands in a crucifix position, dude, against the wall. It, and he's stuck, dude, fucking, fucking stuck rules. in the wall. Yeah, uh huh. He watches all of his friends die, and then the Yakuza basically tell him, like, "Oh yeah, we're going to kill your kids and you. It doesn't matter to us whatsoever." He spits in her face. He does right in her face defiant to the fucking end you know once again this is not this this type of character you believe why he's defiant to the end it's not just you know badass posturing or things like that we see he genuinely hates these people so even if they're gonna kill him the last the last thing he can do as a defense is spit in her face, so that's what he does. You know what oh, I mean? Man. It's that kind of shit where it's just like, man, you know, these th- whoever wrote that script, whoever directed those sequences, they knew what they wanted for their audience to see. But you know, we uh, really glanced over the most glorious part of this entire sequence, huh. which is that the entire oh, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> entire patronage of this restaurant, the elderly, mm-hmm. children, couples on a date, everyone's working for the yakuza and has machine guns. It's fucking brilliant. The yakuza walk in, and they, um, you know, after. The mafia has done their champagne salute. Salute, salute. The Yakuza walk in. And credit to um, the Yakuza leader, um, Madam Hydra or whoever she was, right? Fucking brilliant. Terrifying in her performance. She comes in and she basically has her chin up and she's just like, Oh, um, no, we don't have your kids. Don't worry about it. And the... and. <laughs> and then she's I forget what the cue excellent is. Excellent villain. Oh, she's so good. She is so good. I mean, as the leader of a group of interesting killers in their own way, you believe that she's strong enough to kill any of them without a second thought. Oh, and most of it is due to the story that mm-hmm. uh, the uh, head mobster from Europe tells that. Her brother ripped off the Yakuza for a bunch of money, Mm -hmm. and then she effectively waited till he fell asleep and beat him with a baseball bat. Yeah. Well, she she wanted to rise in ranks and become the lead. So she was respected, but her brother had done that. Because she was respected, her brother was still alive. So the Yakuza was like, well, if you want to lead us, then you're going to have to demonstrate who you're really loyal to. So she, <laughs> now again, writing is great. Who's telling this story? The mafia. The mafia is talking about the Yakuza and what they've heard, right? Who's talking about the Punisher and giving us a story? The newscasters at the very open, here's the broad brush strokes you need. And then Louis Gossett Jr. filling in the background with his partner. This is who we're after, right? Such great delivery on the backgrounds and things. So he delivers this, the mafia guy delivers this whole story about this woman where to uh, prove her loyalty, she feeds her brother his favorite meal, waits till he's done 
satisfied, she slits his throat and kills yeah, him. Yeah, slits his throat, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Slit- <laughs> I mean, I suppose on one hand you could say there was... Uh, there was some kindness to that because of the slit throat. Maybe, you know, you bleed out fairly quickly or something like that. She didn't torture him, you know, or anything like that. Turn him over to be tortured. Right, but it does just exemplify her viciousness. That she killed her own brother. Yeah, and be willing to be deceitful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so exactly. And just absolutely cold-blooded. Yeah. Because there are several times where she has no problem just murdering people. Which is, I mean, again, you know, the idea of what does it mean to be evil, where is the ruthlessness coming from, we're seeing these Yakuza tossing kids around like they're just slabs of meat, Mm -hmm. you know. So you understand fully who the bad guys are. And uh, so... She tells him, oh, no, we're not trading your kids. And just as the mafia starts to get all upset, the entire restaurant stands up with their guns and just holds just long enough for the mafia to go, oh, fuck. And their bodyguards start to pull out guns and everything. And then the whole restaurant just lays down. Everyone (laughs) but those four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Yakuza, they just stand there and watch as the rest of the restaurant guns down everybody on the mafia side except for the higher ups yeah except for the guys who drank the champagne and the one guy who got nailed to the wall (laughs) (laughs) but by the magic spike earrings yeah by the magic spike earrings so so frank castle uh decides that to save all of these children he's gonna need a bus well okay so um so the only guy on the mafia side who has survived is the one who didn't go right yes so he, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Punisher shoots up the place. He goes, he gets arrested by cops. I forget exactly the whole violent sequence, the massive set piece, set piece number three, by the way, where he's just shot up a whole fucking place, but then uh, gets captured by the police. Oh, that's the, Does he get that's captured? where he rescues the kids. No, you're I'll right. Say, does he get captured by the police or the Yakuza first? Because he gets caught a few times. Which is also interesting. So the Yakuza get him first, don't they? Or no, the cops do. No, the Yakuza get him first. In the stretching machine. Yeah. Because they want to know who he is, who sent you, all of that sort of stuff. And then they have the uh, actor on the other side. Because now, um, this is an interesting scene, though, because, again, it reinforces how um, uh, Punisher basically doesn't care whether he lives or dies. He's like, okay, well, you know, you got me on this thing. Why don't you stretch me a little further? I don't care. And she very pointedly says, you deal with pain very well, but how do you deal with the pain of others? And that's when they bring in the actor and put him on the machine. Yeah, yeah. Now, okay, interesting to show how he gets out of it. The manacles on his wrist. he just does a wing nut. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they actually show his little pinky finger reaching down and weep, weep, weep unscrewing this fucking wing nut i mean dude how often in movies do you go how is he going to get out of this and and it's like this feat of strength (laughs) like that's the schwarzenegger thing is i suddenly become stronger than i ever was before and now i can do it right and i i really applaud shit like that because when in doubt keep it simple yeah yeah so if you don't have this elaborate way that's good enough keep mm -hmm. it simple yeah, he exactly. just undoes a screw. Exactly. He's able to get out, and they kill the guy, put him on the rack, and the guy has red high heel shoes on. 
the scientist guy who was left behind to yeah, kill the doctor. Them. Yeah, because she brings in a doctor to keep him alive much longer than he would wish to be. Yeah, exactly. This is like the I've developed a, an unnecessarily elaborate plan to kill you, and I'm just gonna walk away and assume it happens, uh-huh. right? So that's exactly what happens with this. But the odd thing is, is that they never show this doctor's little fetish until after he's been defeated and they put him on the stretcher to be stretched himself and he's wearing and these a, red high heel shoes there's a pair of red high heels yeah for no reason yeah you're like what, what the, hang on a minute here and it's another reason i love these 80s movies is that there's always some little shit that's in the background or yeah. something that's happening, like, you know? Like, I've talked about it many a times, but that part in Cobra where he pulls a pizza out of what would be the freezer <laughs> and then snips a piece of it off with gardening shoes <laughs> and then eats it. Like, well, what the fuck was that? How are you living like <laughs> yeah, this, man? What? what happened to you, man? <laughs> <laughs> what led to so... any of this? <laughs> so now Punisher has met the Yakuza. He gets away from them. They're able to figure out, okay, now we got to get the kids. We got to get out. We got to do this stuff. Uh, They figure out where um, the sale to the white slavers is going to be. The actor helps Frank Castle get over there. He decides to steal a bus. Yep. (laughs) He sure does. (laughs) And this bus just magically has... I mean, good thing the city buses at those times were lined with bulletproof shielding on the glass and and the the sides and the ceiling. And it's got a nice little bit where there's just like a super hammered drunk hobo on there. It's just like, you missed my stop. (laughs) It's like, oh, sorry. And just lets him off the bus. Yeah. Uh Why is this here? Hey, it shows. Once again, it shows he affects his environment, whether he intends to or not. There's always some sort of opportunity to demonstrate, hey, he lives in a real world. So here's this hobo who's like, I don't remember, ma! And you're just like, oh, yeah, a hobo would be asleep on a bus, yeah. you know? It's a great with a bit. With a beer in his hand. Dude, I will defend this movie to my death. Oh, yeah, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, so he gets the bus. They have this plan. Now, um, by this time, he's gotten away from the Yakuza. He's been arrested this is isn't this where he when the fuck does lewis Gonsett jr talk to him or do they yeah. talk more than once a couple well, of times he's no he gets the bus full of kids mm-hmm. and it's a high-speed chase and that's where one of the coolest fucking stunts that i've seen in oh, a very yeah, long yeah, time yeah. happens yeah where they are driving this bus and he has a bus full of children. Yes. And one of the SUVs or something from the bad guys has gotten in front of him. The, the Yakuza now, have blocked the alley with two vehicles, and they've got guys who are on top of the vehicles shooting yes, at the bus. Into the bus. Now, into the bus, yeah. This is a fucking incredible, Brad. Because like mm-hmm. you said, there's a man standing on the hood of this very large vehicle. Mm-hmm. When it's hit, he goes ejecting uh-huh <laughs> fucking catapulting face first like a bullet into this bus yeah and that's a dude yeah and if not it's a very convincing dummy and no, no, i don't that's think, a real guy and i don't think they had the money to shoot that several yeah. times to get the dummy to fucking fly right so well that's a dude yeah it's 
fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, imagine they actually had a guy. They probably hired an acrobat, right? <laughs> but they had a guy who they literally trained to jump <laughs> right at the point of impact where this bus is plowing into this vehicle. Now, it plows in. It's... It, fucking hits that truck it's got to be at least 30 35 miles an hour that at that thing very is going least, it's fucking moving yeah now it is true that you can accelerate the film a little bit so that you can make it look like faster speed and all of that so i believe that's likely what happened yeah, maybe like 1.25 so. exactly but even so that impact where he hops into the open window of the passenger, not the driver's side, because that's where... Um, and, and that's how you can tell that it's not really that sped up, because there are two objects moving in opposite directions. Exactly. And it and doesn't he, look comically fast. It looks real. Like, they shot it and oh, fucking yeah. presented it in real time. Oh, yeah. Not sped up. It's fucking insane, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and you see sequences like that, and you begin to understand why these movies held up as a genre for so fucking long because there was always some sort of a stunt in there where you were like holy shit i can't believe they didn't kill that guy you know what i mean it's fucking great yeah so this yakuza guy who dives into the maw of an oncoming bus gets swallowed into its gullet Punisher slams through everything. This guy picks himself up, brushes himself off, and comes running back to fucking Punisher to take him out at the driver's wheel. He's got to fight this guy and then throw him out the side, out the front entrance of the bus. I mean, this this guy who did that gag had two major falls that yeah. he had to do. One into a moving vehicle and then one out of the moving vehicle. Off stairs. Uh-huh. I mean, dude. Dude, that guy, I hope he got paid really fucking well. I really do. But I know he didn't because it's 90 or 89 stunts. And like, you know? it's a very, very, we talked about just those individual stunts. The entire sequence is a fucking killer car chase scene. Yeah. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. And in the wide sequences, now, I don't believe that they actually had the moments of the bus impacting I don't believe they had the actual kids in the in the bus oh, at the time. No. But there they definitely did have sequences where he's driving and those kids are in the fucking back while he's driving that bus. They would never fucking do that today, dude. Never. Well, I that mean, bus would be I'm on a green screen I'm in a studio. They They'd never do it practical live. I'm surprised they got away with it then because not, 89, a, dude. not a few years before that, John Landis had killed some kids. Well, yeah, but I mean, those, those circumstances were exceptional for a number of reasons, and that yeah. never should have fucking happened. Yeah, let's, let's we, just, we don't need to get into that. Let's John just, Landis you is know, a fucking monster. Yeah, let's just um, acknowledge that aspect of that particular production like fucking um yeah you're right let's not go any further with it but so ultimately when stunts are done right and when they're done practiced with a professional crew you get something like this with the punisher where you literally can sit back and have a pretty decent movie sympathize with the hero even though he's a psychotic serial killer and watch all of this gunfire mayhem explosions i mean it's an incredibly gratifying movie and the women in it i mean 
there's a couple of sequences where, yeah, okay, maybe there's some nudity, but it's because you're walking through a club. It's an environment where it makes sense. The fucking Yakuza yeah. boss is this badass woman, and her main killer is not her daughter, but someone who grew up with her from a very young age. So those two have been connected as like a, a team, a, a brutal killing assassin team uh-huh. for a decade or so, right? So these two women essentially are controlling the Yakuza completely plausibly in their ruthlessness and how they handle themselves. So, I mean... So, and that is where, because uh, the gangsters stop following the bus because the cops have the blockade up, and that's where he stops the bus and forfeits to the police. Exactly. He turns over the kids, walks out, and is like, okay, you got me. Yep. And now we have this really great scene. I mean, they got, they got the Punisher. Bless you. They got the Punisher, he's in the jail cell, and Louis Cossett Jr. walks in, and basically, he hasn't seen Frank for five years. No, and he knows for a fact Frank has been on just a fucking murder spree. Yeah. And yeah. he looks at his friend and is like, what is the matter with you? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, see, now, what's and interesting is that the scene opens with exactly that question, and... He tells him, Frank Castle, Punisher says, Frank Castle is dead. I'm not that guy anymore. He died the day the family died. You were right. He's dead, right? And, I mean, Louis Gossett Jr., the man won an Oscar for Officer and a Gentleman, deservedly so. When you see this performance... He's really good in this movie. (laughs) The pain of someone seeing someone that they love give up. And then having to accept, okay, you've given up, and I can't, bless you, dude, that moment of, okay, you've given up, I can't Just save tell you, me. Tell you're me on why. this path. Tell me why. Let yeah. me in. Just fucking tell me what's going on. And he's slapping the shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, they out literally. Out of frustration. Not like beating a suspect. Like mm-hmm. a friend who's been on a murder spree for the last five years. He's like, dude. Yeah. You used to be a good cop. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, let the justice system run its course. He says, yeah. no, I don't believe in that. Yeah. There's no way that it's going to atone for what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm still doing what I'm doing. You know, all of that sort of stuff. And, uh, and at the end of it, Louis Gossett Jr. walks out of there like, okay, oh, then you. you're right. Frank's dead. You know, I hope they kill you. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. Yeah, and he has to walk away. Now, I mean, this is... (laughs) People make jokes, and I understand it because with Lethal Weapon, and especially when 80s genre started to parody itself, but you want to talk about a bromance type of a situation. That's what that scene is about, is this guy saying, look, man, we used to be fucking tight. What happened? You're going to completely shut down. You're going to, this is your fucking choice. Okay, man, I don't want it to be this way, but this is what it is. This is a full bromance scene. You know what I mean? And it works. It's intelligent the way it's constructed. It completely makes sense. And now you know that when um, Punisher goes back to actually uh, bring the, okay. So, so, so. And I just want to say that. 
it honestly it follows the correct sequencing cinematically because Frank is just leaning against this cot against the wall. He will not move physically or you know yeah. mentally. Yeah. Meanwhile, even Lewis when they Gossett get close Jr., and tight, yeah, yeah, Louis Gossett Jr. starts sitting a ways away from him and is constantly moving closer in and closer yeah. in and closer in. Yeah. Until yeah. he finally has to walk away. Just visually, it makes sense as a scene. It's well constructed. Yeah. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. And it's the moments like that that allow you, at least for me, they allow me to be more forgiving about some of the more cartoonish violence that I see. Because I'm paying my ticket for that cartoonish violence. But... I also want a story. These And these characters are being presented in a way that I believe these relationships... I believed Louis Gossett Jr. at the end of that knew this guy for fucking years and literally was like, man. I can't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great fucking scene. And fortunately, he's got his partner that he can go to. So we see he does have his own sort of uh, support structure. He's not going to go on any other benders or anything like that. He's got a good partner, good cop. He's going to keep being a good cop. So Frank's getting processed, and the mafia guy is so pissed that the Yakuza just wiped out all of his people that he's like, fuck it, and he gets what's left of his mafia together. They bust fucking Frank Castle out to say, okay, now you're going to work for me. Save my kid, right? Right. Punisher saves everybody except the lead mafia guy's kid because the lead mafia guy's kid is a badass who fights against the Yakuza, gets thrown through a chair into a fucking, I don't know what it was, like a bureau, a chest of drawers or something, drops (laughs) down on his face. headlong into that fucking thing, though. (laughs) Exactly. And, I mean, the kid, you see, I don't know who that kid actor was. 100% believe him. 100% 100% believe him. He's in scenes where he has to choose between his father and the Punisher because they're both killing each other. And the look on that kid's face, I mean... He I just had it. the Yakuza woman hold a fucking knife to his throat. Yeah, and get killed right in front of him and then is laying in front of him with a knife in her fucking skull. But... <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about this movie getting crazy, but... The authenticity but, of the acting allows you to accept the absurdity, you know? But it is also where this movie kind of comes almost to a screeching halt because he, they are just running through this uh, Yakuza complex that's got yeah. the traditional, like, bamboo and paper wall. Not <laughs> bamboo, but, like, uh, yeah. soft balsa wood and paper walls. Yeah. And they're just rampaging through there, just oh, yeah. murdering Yakuza. Well, dude, my And favorite... then they stop uh-huh. for about five minutes mm-hmm. to have one-on-one, like, red light fights Yeah, with the Yakuza, and it's bad. Okay, well... And it's okay, following I'll one agree. of the greatest parts of the movie, because I, I I did accidentally skip possibly the greatest murder scene in all of cinema history. My favorite shootout sequence in any of the 80s movies ever. Okay, Mafia Guy says, you and me, Punisher, we're going in with the Yakuza. He's got, Mafia Guy has his own sort of silenced Mac-10, Mac-10 pistol, or Uzi pistol, something like that. Anyway... 
Uh, Punisher, of course, is all geared up with his guns, and he's got, like, you know... Uh, Looking red as hell in his fucking leather motorcycle pants. Fuck yeah. So they uh, they uh, just subtly kill enough people to make it to the elevator. They get into the elevator, go up, and uh, it's so beautiful. The elevator goes, ding! The doors open. While the they two have a conversation, while Punisher tells him, yeah, I'm doing this for the kids. When this is all done, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the the mafia boss guy, to his... <coughs> excuse me. To his credit, doesn't say anything. Just, yeah. like, gives a little nod, like, okay, He's got it. He's kind of scared shitless of Punisher throughout this entire endeavor. As well he should be. Yeah. But now... Uh, a less experienced writer might give him a line, like something like, oh, it'd be a fair trade for my boy, you know, or just save my boy, or something like that. So you get a little extra point. You don't need it. No, he you just know what stands I mean? there in horror and goes, yes, <coughs> this is going to be the man who kills me. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But again, he seems to sort of accept, okay, you know, but we're still on this mission. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So elevator, bing, elevator doors open. It opens to a dojo full of uh, guys dressed as samurais who we've seen earlier practicing, doing kendo practice with the, uh, with the sticks and all of that. So we know that these guys are all badasses. There's got to be at least 20 of them, maybe 30. I, of course, think there's probably 50 or 100. But elevator doors open. Punisher and Mafia Boss step out with their automatic weapons. And just mow say, these people down. Say nothing. Yeah. There's no word. There's nothing. They the guys start to out. jump up. They they sil- start to draw their swords like badass samurai. And everyone's thinking, oh, this is going to be a bad fight. No, 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 no. No, no. Automatic Absolutely weapons not. rule the day. They completely mow down all of these people. It's literally a sequence Still, of probably a good 10 or 20, maybe 30 seconds of just... And these bodies dropping. Still in rows and columns that they were in while they were like meditating or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's a couple guys that run out from the hallway and one guy that they missed in that whole endeavor that rushed them. And then, yeah, Frank just beats the living Christ out of them. Exactly. Now, the reason I love that sequence so much, okay is because ninjas and samurai and all of that had been this whole huge thing for a long time. And there's massive respect for the discipline of that martial arts training. But in movies, it was getting to the point where these guys, you know, you'd be having fight sequences of sword swinging for like 30 seconds or whatever. And it it was just this overlong shit. (laughs) This movie is like, let's, let's demonstrate why automatic and, firepower and, and is so re- important. Let's re- <laughs> you remember that part in Indiana Jones where he shot one dude? Yeah. Let's ramp that the fuck up. Oh, well, exactly. Exactly. But it also demonstrates the ruthlessness of Punisher and how he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, because Lays again, down they 20. say nothing. They step out of this elevator. Yeah. He quickly, for like two seconds, surveys what's happening. Yeah, surveys the scene. And then, and just then they just lay fire. down fire. Yeah. The samurai try to get up. They try to fight. There is no fucking chance for these guys. They all get fucking mowed down. He is killing them in waves. (laughs) So then, whole room is destroyed. And then, here's the part I agree with you. The whole sections of hero fighting uh, progressively uh, harder. Too 
two ninjas at once, but not really. Yeah, well, it's like John Wick 2, or John Wick 3, or whatever, where towards the tail end, he's fighting these two guys, and it's like, this guy should have been dead 15 times over, but it's John Wick, so we gotta accept it, you know? It's that kind of shit in this sequence as well. And, you know... They tried to do a martial arts sequence, and it falls very flat. Well, you pointed out that Dolph Lundgren... Okay, Dolph Lundgren, admittedly, uh, verified martial arts history. That was his avenue into movies and all of that stuff. That was He was a legit ring fighter, that sort of thing. Okay, fine. He's still stiff as fuck on camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? And he's fighting these guys who are literally doing leaps and throwing kicks around him. And yeah, but, he can throw a can few tell, kicks, you, but... You can very much tell in the scene that they had to slow down for Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was those leather pants and the leather coat slowing him down, too. I don't know. But, you know, there were some sequences where it's like, oh, dude, you know. This fight is bad. Yeah. And it's all done in a completely red filter because yeah. know, old drunky has killed the power. And it's the backup generator providing the cool red light. Yeah. And they do. Um, so they go. They hit the Yakuza. They're successful. In getting over to uh, Mafia Boss's kid. And um, Yakuza... um, Well, okay. Everybody gets laid out and fights in different ways. And it's all good stuff. Say, But right after they do that horrible fight sequence... Because, again, it is an action-packed sequence that Mm -hmm. is very much bogged down in the middle by that fist fight yeah because they ramp right back into the action like he walks through a door or not walks through he runs through a wall and tackles a dude (laughs) immediately afterwards (laughs) and walks by and just stabs a wall because he knows there's a guy behind it yeah no shit oh speaking of great moments earlier in the movie when he's making his move on the uh house and the guys are like, oh, hey, I got the pizza. And the guy with the pizza oh. walks into the oh, door. Lou Gossett just, Jr. He just gets jacked, jacked up. Yeah, it's yeah, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, the Yakuza capture Lou Gossett Jr. Mm-hmm. And he tells him to fuck off. He's not giving him any information. And I forget how he kills the first dude. But, or, no, he, it's not the Yakuza. It is the Italian yeah, mafia. Yeah, it's the Italian guys because they go a to dude, try... A dude turns the corner. He's like, hey, I got the pizza. And Luke Gossett Jr. <laughs> shoves the box pi- in his with, face. With, and <laughs> just pistol whips the shit out of this dude. <laughs> Takes a piece of his pizza. Uh-huh. Bites it in, in the most <laughs> badass fashion possible. Takes the guy's gun, takes a slice of pizza, and walks the and fuck out. struts out. out. <laughs> I laughed for a minute straight. It's one of the most badass things yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, the guy's got his pizza box. Because it's Lou Gossett Jr. He, you, he's not fucking Arnold. He's not Stallone. When you see a dude who's, like, Lou Gossett Jr., I'm sure he's built because he's an actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's in mm-hmm. pretty good physical condition. But you wouldn't think of him as the ass-kicking type. To yeah, watch him believably know. just beat the shit out of this dude in the hallway? Like, exactly. God damn! Exactly. I have no idea what kind of martial arts training, if any, he may have had. But the choreography in that sequence is so fucking great. He check- okay, he the just first guy beats on the dude's face and then beats the shit out of him. Well, the first guy tries to um, put him in cuffs or something like that. And he just does this sort of magic trick sleight of hand thing and just jacks this guy. That's right, because he's got, 
the Italian mafia have him in cuffs, and he tells them that he has to piss. Yeah, that's and, what it is. Yeah, and the, he's like, and he's like, what? Can, are you gonna can, hold my dick for me? So the so the guy's like, no, I'm not like that. And he goes and he unplugs the or unlocks the the yeah. handcuffs. And the minute the handcuffs are unlocked, Louis Gossett he moves so quick and does this little whip whap whammy and knocks the guy down yeah. right. And just as he's like, and he doesn't quip. He doesn't oh, do he any sure sort does. of... What does he say there? Before he fucking hits him, he's like, oh, is there an IQ test for this job? And the guy's yeah. like, oh? And then he just fucking oh, jacks right. his gun. And, <laughs> and he said, I didn't think whips so. him into the ground. <laughs> like, Luke Gossett Jr. brutally beats these fucking guys. It You're right. Rules. He does say something like, no, I didn't think so. And then as right as he's moving towards the door, now here's some tight editing, though. He does that little quip. I even forgot about it, but you're right. He does that. But immediately, here's the partner back. So there's no time to think about anything. He just straight jacks Shoves that him. guy. <laughs> jacks that guy. Knocks him, beats him down. And then, and then just, yeah, the way he takes a slice of pizza, moves on. I mean, this is the stuff that we live for. In these movies. It's so seriously, good. Seriously. Seriously. This is why these movies made money. You and know? then it cuts directly back to fucking Dolph Lundgren kicking ass. Like, yeah. It's a non... This movie is non-stop action. And it's yeah. the best. Like, it's kind of on par with, like, Hard Target. Because mm. Hard Target's one of those movies, too, where is it good? Yeah, I guess. Is it right. fucking entertaining? Goddamn right it is. Yeah, fuck it's yeah. It's action from beginning to end. It rules. Yeah, that's the movie. That's the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> In where... New Orleans with his uncle. <laughs> well, you had... Um, um, it rules. Yeah. Uh, He's the... never been greasier. <laughs> Who the fuck is from Aliens? You had Bishop from Aliens there... With the single uh, shot, the breech lock um, pistol, which was very unique, just defines his character. But there was something that I had never heard before in that fucking movie, which was um, Jean-Claude's reaching out to the local police detective, that black woman who's um, helping him along with um, whatever, who the criminals are and all of that. But she has this line... Where she, uh, she gets him the information that he needs right on time when he needs it, right? And he's like, oh, thank you very much. And he hangs up. Uh, but right before he hangs up, she goes, the wheels may turn slowly, but they do turn. And I, I was just like, I don't know where that fortune cookie wisdom came from, but fuck. Get I it still, out of here. I still say it to this day, dude. You know? It's just one of those things where it's like, especially in this fucking job that I have now that I fucking hate to pay the bills, that's something that I just use a lot of times to just be like, you know what, we're going to fucking get through it, just recognize, you know, they are turning, just just trust that that's happening, it may be slow, may feel slow, but just trust that it's it's in play, you know? So anyway. Yeah, the way, we, we had kind of touched target, on it before, it but... uh. The real crescendo to this is the Yakuza woman holding a knife to a child's throat. Yeah. And telling his father, yeah. the mob boss, yeah. hey, that gun in your hand, hey, put it in your mouth. If you want your kid to live, then you're going to have to get down on your knees, put that gun in your mouth. And All he's the like, way. And he's like, how do I know you're going to keep your promise? She's like, you don't. But this is the best chance you have that your kid's going to survive. Mm -hmm. So, 
She's he's still totally. Going, he's, he's still going to be sold into slavery. Oh yeah, but he'll he might let live. I might let him live because he's worth money to me. But I might kill him. Yeah. But either way, hey, put that gun in your mouth all the way, all the way in. And she tells the kid who's trying to look away. She's like, no, no you watch. Here's your first lesson, right? Like. Oh, this she's gonna groom this kid to be the most brutal, heartless, torturing, whatever kind of evil thing. Or she's gonna sell him into slavery. Whichever is worse for this kid, I don't know. Dude, it's pretty fucking hardcore. <laughs> kid, and you see the kid tearing up. I mean, this kid as an actor, fucking amazing. He's tearing up. He's watching his father being willing to sacrifice his fucking life to maybe have his son live a little bit longer right and okay and it's not even just the long-term emotional impact of yeah he sacrificed himself for me he's watching his father anyone exactly you watch anyone stick a loaded gun in their mouth and be expected to pull the trigger in front of you as an audience they do it willingly as a sacrifice by this person who's dominating them dominating them to the point where they're laughing Like, it's the greatest joke they've seen. Like, they're watching a clown juggling, you know, whatever fish or, or, you know, cats or whatever. And she's just, ha, 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 And she's made up like a geisha, so she's got a white face with these red lips. (laughs) I mean, she is, it's, it's maniacal. There's no other word for it. She's laughing maniacally at this man that she's completely dominated, gun in his mouth, right, ready to shoot himself. And hero that he is. Punisher crashes in through another one of those paper wood wall things. It and looked <laughs> like he tripped and just came <laughs> It did. It really did. The way he sort of lumbers through <laughs> yeah. that thing. Just, just go. <laughs> yeah. It looked like somebody had grabbed him by like the seat of his pants and his shoulders and just hucked him through yeah, the wall. Yeah, and just tossed him. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have surprised me, you know. But, you know... Uh, I guess as I think about it, he had been fairly well cut up, beat up, shot up, that sort of thing too. So he still, in that condition, manages to expertly throw one of his um, custom-made daggers with his little skull on it. Oh, I thought it was one of the uh, blonde lady's earrings. No, 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 no. No, it was another one of his daggers because See, it sticks I, out of her head. Because I thought it had been one of her earrings because she tried to pull him out and stab him with him. Oh, she did. And then he broke her fucking neck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, dude. Just fucking ruthlessly breaks the way, this woman's yeah. neck. It's awesome yeah it's full-on wide shot on the camera i mean you see both of them and he literally he's got her in a headlock and just rank yeah it's very abrupt <laughs> like it's kind of unsettling how quickly it happens because there's a like they're struggling sure yeah but as soon as he gets her in that headlock there's mm-hmm. no further struggle he yeah. just fucking kills her yeah and credit to that actress for the way she sold that whole thing because um Boy, she she really sold that well. The way her hair just sort of drops and her whole body just goes limp like that, you're just like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> right? Shit. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, he comes crashing through the wall and mm-hmm. in his uh, descent whips a fucking knife right into her forehead. Yep. It's and, badass. Yeah, and she drops back and... Uh, so mafia mafia boss's kid is free, 
But mind you, he's in a room where his dad is uh, still holding this gun, and the um, the yakuza lady is now with a knife in her head, bleeding out, and the Punisher is laying crumpled on the floor. <laughs> yeah, next to a piano. So mafia boss guy, um, you know, uh, tactively competitive as he is. Hugs his son, makes sure they're both okay. They have this lovely reunion scene. Again, complete authentic acting. I totally buy it. I, I buy that these actors who probably never met before this fucking movie were father and son, you know? And uh, <laughs> so Mafia Boss is like, you go ahead. Yeah, get on out of here, Tommy. I'll be right with no, you. No, but for real, Tommy, get out of here. No, Tommy, him. I'm telling you. And he closes the door. So that he and Punisher can have a, a moment alone. He's still got this, you know, four-inch barrel three fifty-seven Magnum in his hand. <laughs> yes. And he goes to the Punisher and very rightly, tactically, is like, well, cuz, sorry, thanks this, for getting my kid. This the deal we both knew that it would come down to when all this was over. It was going to be you or me. So. Exactly. So, it's you. Tough shit. Sorry. And, um... When... Wh- I am worth this much money. When my son grows up, there will be no competition for him whatsoever, including yeah. you, and he will rule everything. Yeah, he basically says, right I'm, now, I'm my son creating is... creating a crime dynasty. Yeah. And when you're dead, we are free to do so, because you helped us eliminate the competition. Yeah, Thanks, all buddy. of the competition. Yeah, he literally says, I am the only guy who's left, thanks to you. And because of that, my son in five years is going to be the head of everything. And <laughs> the raccoon's back. Oh, hello. But yes, yeah, so, uh, so he basically, decides that he is going to murder the Punisher, which doesn't go well. Well, Punisher, rightly so, doesn't just uh, immediately give up. There's a fight that's on. And, uh, and so, okay, so... There's a fight on... I feel like we should wrap this up. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So basically, uh, the son comes in, and he sees his dad and Punisher fighting, and he's like, stop, hey, you know, don't do it, and all of this stuff. He breaks them up briefly, and essentially has to recognize that, oh no, these two are going to fight and kill each other. One of them has to die, right? And so they do this last little bit, Punisher gets the upper hand, kills his dad in front of him. Yeah. Shoots him right in the heart. This son, this kid has seen two people die in front of him Recently. by the Punisher within five minutes of each other, ten minutes of each other, right? And both of them are justifiable. He has to kind of understand that that's what it is. So anyway, there's this great bit towards the tail end where he puts the pistol down, the kid picks it up and is like, I'm going to kill you. And Frank says, that's fine, you can do it, but just know... If you do this now, um, you may end up like your dad. This is the whole thing, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, you might as well get it over with now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get it over with now. Or don't. Yeah. And go lead a good life. The kid, the kid, now this is the thing about, once again, what your message is, right? They give the choice to the kid. You have a moment right now. You can go down this path of evil. You see all of this carnage around you. This is what happens if you choose this path of evil. If you choose a good guy life, you might be able to be like my friend Louis Gossett Jr. and his partner, maybe, if you choose. But right now, 
your choice is going to be demonstrated by whether or not you choose to kill me, right? <laughs> the kid, of course, says, no, I'm not going to kill you, and uh, grows a conscience, and the Punisher says, okay, be a good kid. You're a good kid now. Grow up to be a good man, because if you don't be a good man... I'm coming for you. I'll come and, Yeah. I will kill you. Yeah. And so, okay, now we've got the rules, right? And so Punisher is now, in his own way, this anti-hero hero. You understand why he's doing what he's doing, and he fades back into the sewers where his hideout is, and we get the same shot that we had at the beginning. Of him naked, of praying him, in filth. Yes, naked, meditating in filth in his little sewer hideout, saying, I've been talking to God. I've been asking him if this is what I should be doing. And basically bookending this whole thing of, I haven't heard back, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until I get an answer. Yep. Is basically it. This is working out fine Boom, for me. Boom, credits roll. Yep. You know you could have Punisher 2, Punisher 3, if that thing had made any money. But I think... They were kind of wary of it. They didn't really market it. You know, people who weren't aware of Punisher were really kind of put off by what they were seeing. Understandably so. But um, it, I still think as an example of an 80s movie, it's a, it's a fucking great action movie, you know? All right. Well, uh, we are being stalked by the raccoon. So, hey, Brad. Yo. What have you got to plug? Uh, right now, not a whole lot. I've been um, having to deal with uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, <laughs> and it, it's been a, a bunch of strangeness, kind of like a raccoon looking down on you <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wondering what we're doing. But, uh, but anyway, um, what about you? What do you got to plug? Uh, nothing, just this. So uh, we're going to go. Yeah, before All the right. raccoon jumps on us. <laughs> All Bye, right. guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you.